0: Welcome to the Partly Political Broadcast, the podcast that takes a look at current politics and laughs. But you know, in that delirious, maniacal way, as you're topless, screaming into a raining sky because you've completely lost your mind after listening to a man whose own face is tired of him, John Humphreys, tell a Today programme guest that actually the solution would just be for EU countries to get over themselves and join a new British empire where we can enslave them to make us all egg and chips instead of pushing all that funny-tasting stuff us. Ugh, that's just Sort of paraphrasing what really happened. This is episode 128. I'm Tien and Duyeb and as it's revealed that martial law is a possibility if we have a no-deal Brexit, I'm thinking, hey, that's not too bad. I mean at least if the military are running things, it'll be the first time in ages those in charge have any sort of definite intelligence. Whitehall planners are looking at ways to deter civil disobedience after the UK collapses, wheezing and clutching its chest out of the EU, forgetting that without the food or medicine supplies, everyone would just be too tired to protest anyway. As well as martial law, officials are also looking at the case study of Yoku, you know, the volcanic ash eruption in Iceland in 2010, and that's quite fitting because in that case, a lack of warning caused everything to be covered in burnt remnants of a huge shifting divide as well. The only difference being is if the UK government had to work together to avoid a volcanic disaster, they'd keep insisting it was up to the volcano to deal with it, while the opposition would tell them that unless they took unstoppable natural disasters off the table, they'd not talk, only for everyone to still be discussing having a discussion about it as they're whisked off into a river of lava. If Brexit dies, I'm sure its gravestone will just say it took ages for nothing to happen. As the biggest stories last week about the UK's current crisis don't really involve politicians at all. I mean, one was that the Queen commented on Brexit, which is a rarity as the effort the Palace have to take removing her from cryo is usually not worth it. But I guess her Madge is now an expert on these sorts of things, considering she spent the past week dealing with a privileged idiot who likes to blindly drive headfirst into a crash with no consideration of others. All the Queen really did, though, was urge Britons to find a common ground. Though using terms like that, the Conservatives will never get on board unless they're allowed to use that common ground to build luxury flats. The head of Airbus, German business executive Tom Enders, said that the government's handling of Brexit was a disgrace and warned that his company could quit the UK if there's a no-deal scenario, which could cost hundreds and thousands of jobs. Yeah, well, more fool him, as who needs aerospace products when you're already at ground zero with nothing taking off for years? It wasn't long before a Tory Brexiteer had the brain fail to counter these comments, though, with MP and what-if-someone-punched-eyes-into-a-potato Marc Francois saying that his father was a D-Day veteran and never submitted to bullying by any German and neither will his son. Well, fingers crossed, Mark and his pointlessly xenophobic views leave the UK ASAP in protest that are mostly German queens speaking out on Brexit, too. Food retailers have also said that a no-deal will be bad because it will leave shelves empty, which I assume is a bad thing, but having recently watched the Marie Kondo programme, I'm thinking that as long as what's left on them sparks joy, we should all be okay. Politician-wise, though, they're all gearing up for the vote on amendments to May's first plan poorly disguised as a second. So far, there are so many amendments tabled that Labour leader and winner of Uncle Bulgaria cosplay Jeremy Corbyn probably won't be able to see if no deal has been taken off or if it's just had other things piled on top of it. If all these amendments go through, which they won't, it'll be a completely different deal like May was meant to come up with in the first place. It'll have had so many drastic changes and look so different, it will be the Michael Jackson of policies. And similarly, whatever happens, in years to come it'll emerge just how everyone should have heeded earlier warnings about how it'll hurt future generations and stopped it from carrying on at all. Labour are pushing for a Norway plus plus Brexit with their amendment or as I like to call it, a Swedish Brexit. Haha, <laughs> that joke was just to annoy any Norwegians listening. Skull! But remainer Conservative MPs. Sarah, I'm against everything my party do except just not right now because I have to wash my hair. Wollaston. Heidi, they are awful. What, they're behind me? Oh no, I mean they're wonderful. Alan and Anna, rebel without a pulse. Subri have all said that they won't back the Labour amendment because while they do want to stop Brexit, they want to do it in the most non-boat rocking way possible. Maybe even just staying docked entirely and just pointing at a boat in the distance. I'm amazed they haven't already put in an amendment to stop Brexit by very quietly tiptoeing away from it at night while whispering sorry, 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 and then in the morning blaming it all on someone else. Cross-party MPs, including Wollaston and MP Chuka entirely frictionless like a grease seal Munna dropped the amendment for a people's vote after saying that it would fail without Jeremy Corbyn's support, which they've tried really hard to get by telling everyone how awful they think he is for the past two years. Oh wait, maybe they were negging him all along and he's just too old school to understand. All the Brexiteers are hoping that Prime Minister and misery-scented candle Theresa May will get concessions from the EU on the backstop. You know, the thing the UK government added because they still don't have any other ideas of how to solve the Irish border issue that they also created in the first place. ex foreign Secretary and old sleeping bag stuffed with Melina Boris Johnson has said that winning a freedom clause would be unadulterated good Brexit news, even though he probably doesn't have much authority on matters of unadultery. I have no idea what a freedom clause is either, as I'm pretty sure he's just made it up, but I do hope is soon-to-be ex-wife has one. Similarly, ruffled toothbrush Jacob Rees-Mogg has said Brexiteers will back May if the backstop goes, except if it does, the EU won't agree to it. Ireland have already said there'll be no changes to the backstop position, which Health Secretary and bewildered gopher Matt Hancock said was a negotiating position. You know, in the same way lying down in front of a bulldozer whose driver can't see you is a negotiating position, or knowing which camera to look at as you're about to be executed on a live video is a negotiating position. President of the European Commission and Turtle with Hair, Jean-Claude Juncker, has told May that if the backstop is revisited, then she'll have to accept a permanent customs union with the EU, which is what Labour are demanding anyway. But that will make the Brexiteers' tantrum so hard that their nanny will have to intervene. So it's still either a deal the EU likes but Parliament doesn't, or one Parliament likes but the EU doesn't. Well, the EU except Poland, where Prime Minister and definite serial killer Matthias Morawiecki is asking for the UK to give them their people back, seemingly hoping for a no-deal so that Polish people return home instead of enjoying all the austerity and prejudice here. Don't hold your breath, Matthias, but I'm pretty sure your folks will be heading home soon, along with a ton of British workers desperate to take tea breaks for a competitive wage. Meanwhile, a BBC2 programme called Inside europe has shown an interview with president of the european council and ernest borgnine reincarnation donald tusk saying that former prime minister and happy slap tube snake david cameron thought he'd never have to hold a referendum on the eu as he assumed the conservatives wouldn't win a majority in 2015 and he'd still be in a coalition with the lib dems who would block it i hope nick you'd only notice me if i made a noise clegg adds so unlikable i cause brexit to his facebook status Home Secretary and toe-with-a-face Sajid Javid has told berry Farmers, concerned that they'll have no one to pick their crop, that the government are piloting a scheme to bring in workers from outside the EU. This is the best news for racists I've heard in ages. I mean, vote to stop freedom of movement, get workers in from places that aren't anywhere near as white. I hope they love that as much as I do. I wish Brexit had been marketed like that, just plastered across the side of that bus. Vote Leave to make the UK a more accepting multicultural society. Oh, I'm sure it'd have still got all those UKIP votes. In non-Brexit news, former First Minister and current amphibian Alex Salmond has been arrested and charged. No, not for holding a tiny and Miliband hostage in his pocket all these years, though it was a concern. But instead, for sexual assault and attempted rape charges, which he denies. Obviously, as this case is currently in court, I'm unable to comment on it much, though I will say he is a man who should really know the difference between yes and no. Matt Hancock has said that social media firms could be banned from the UK if they fail to remove harmful content, but he hasn't suggested what political groups do with all that extra campaign money they'll have if they stop using it for Facebook adverts. Chief Secretary to the Treasury and annual Darwin Award contender Liz Truss is calling for greater investment in superfast broadband and new houses to woo younger people to vote Conservative. Great work, Liz. That way, millennials can sit at home and look online at pictures of all the food and jobs in Europe that they can't get thanks to your party. Labour have once again been accused of anti Semitism, and I'm starting to wonder if maybe they should just own it and make it their brand. Hey, it worked for UKIP. This time, Scottish Labour councillor, former MP, and what if they reused the broken mould after making Andrew Neil, Jim Sheridan, was reinstated into the Labour Party after an investigation into his comments about no longer respecting the Jewish community somehow found that he should still remain in the party. Again, branding people, branding. Conservative MP and squeaky-voiced teenager from The Simpsons, Paul Masterton, said it was an appalling decision by Labour. And he's right. If they'd been smart like the Conservatives, they'd have just unapologetically brought Sheridan back in time to help with a no-confidence vote like the Tories would. Across the pond, US president and unerupted tooth in a suit, Donald Trump, has had to cave in on the longest government shutdown on record, caused by the Democrats refusing to fund his stupid wall and him having a bit of a meltdown about it. I mean, he's meant to be a successful estate businessman, yet he can't even build one wall. That's not how success stories go. I mean, you don't hear that it took Steve Jobs 35 days to put a USB stick in the right way round, do you? Meanwhile, in Venezuela, Trump-backed Juan, Mouth from attack on Titan Guaido, has declared himself interim president after Protests against the draconian ruling measures of the worst Mario brother, President Nicolas Maduro. The two are now facing off, but with Maduro being hugely unpopular, you know, due to the famine and complete decimation of the economy and imprisoning of any press and etc, 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 and Guaido now being backed by the US, Europe, Britain and Israel amongst others, it looks like the match won't last long. Still, removing a terrible leader then replacing them with one heartily backed by Trump doesn't really feel like a great plan. I mean, it's a bit like getting rid of the dangerous mould on your walls by covering it in asbestos. Back in the UK, new Question Time presenter Fiona Bruce has been criticised for doing a warm-up pre-show where she mocked Shadow Home Secretary Diane It's the Effort That Counts Right Abbott, causing the audience to act in a hostile manner towards her during the programme. Now, Fiona, listen, If, if hopefully you're tuning in, I'm sure you are, I do warm-up a fair bit and you're not meant to mock the people on stage. Let that be a tip. What you should be doing is pointing at the front row and shouting, Oi, you gammon twat, where did you get that shirt from? Was it from a shop that won't have any stock during a no-deal and then we'll have to see your pasty uncooked dough flesh as you walk around cold because you don't understand things, now give it up for our panel. I mean, I'll totally do it. Seriously, if there's a job going, I'm on it. And one of the many former Brexit secretaries and man who looks like he's always losing a fight against a weak hairdryer, David Davis, has been given a £3,000 per hour job as an external advisor to Brexit-supporting digger manufacturers, JCB, which is an odd choice considering none of his advice has worked for the last two years and he's probably the least constructive person in the UK. Then again, Davis is extremely good at digging large holes that he's unable to get out of, so I guess he could be perfect. Hey, 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 pod champs, and sorry if any of you suffer from hay fever. Trigger warning. Um, How are you? Yes, again, all the political happenings, or possibly still non-happenings, are going on hours after this show will come out, but, you know, uh, it's important that I release this one anyway, so you can catch up on all the delusional, jingoistic, nonsensical rhetoric that was made by idiots over the last week, insisting that Britain deserves a good deal from the EU, as though, you know, we've earned it through all that good Samaritan work we've been doing over the past few hundred years. You know, all that uh, ignoring refugees in Enforced colonisation, enforced famines, illegal wars, selling arms to others, doing illegal wars, slavery and making people watch James Corden. I mean, we're veritable angels. John Humphreys on the Today programme openly asked an Irish politician why Ireland doesn't just leave the EU and join the UK, as though he's never read a thing Ever. About history, ever. And on Peston, on ITV, trodden on bowl of cellulite, Nigel Farage, said that a pro-Brexit result of a second referendum would be the biggest Anglo-Saxon two fingers up in history. And no one, no one pointed out to him that the Anglo-Saxons were from Germanic tribes. I mean, I seriously... I do wonder if we're just secretly hoping to export top-class stupidity to keep us alive. It's terrifying isn't it? What a, what a miserable time. I'm personally feeling a very odd mix of once at the moment, where I do really want the UK to avoid a horrific, catastrophic crash-out, especially being diabetic and, you know, really needing that insulin juice. But I also kind of want those who think it won't happen to have to deal with all the crap if things crash. I mean, saying that, it's pretty hard to say I told you so while you're too hungry to speak, isn't it? It's the same as the whole climate change thing. I've been driven to kind of want climate change deniers to suffer in some sort of terrible fire tsunami just so we can all go nah 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 eh, you're drowning but also on fire but the thing is we'll probably all be having two shit a time drowning and being on fire to do that uh so uh it's tough isn't it still it's nearly pancake day eh? so uh every cloud Oh, that was a bleak uh, bleak chatty ramble, wasn't it? Sorry, this podcast is being recorded after a weekend of no sleep due to my daughter having chicken pox, uh, which is a really grim illness and, of course, worryingly a gateway disease to bird flu. <laughs> that is a joke based on no science. Uh, but, yeah, me and my wife have been suffering absolutely uh, delirious tiredness due to hourly wake-ups of having to cover my daughter in a pox-fighting foam, which sounds a lot more fun than it is. Um, on the plus side, I can now imagine what a Roy Lichtenstein portrait of... My daughter would look like so. I guess that's that box ticked. Um, but otherwise, uh, all a bit miserable. Uh, and she's on the men, so don't worry. Uh, I, otherwise, I'm just full of tiredness. Um, there's a complete lack of anything happening in politics. And this week's guest cancelled last minute due to sickness, which is all a bit of a shame. So this week's show is um, a mini one. Uh, with all the promise that if everything kicks off with May's Plan B, I will do an extra add-on later this week. I do do promise. Um, thank you for listening, though, and to all of you who tweeted and Facebooked about last week's episode with lovely comments about the interview with Charlotte Hughes. Thank you very much for that. That sort of social spreading really does help the show get new listeners. Social spreading? That sounds like the sort of thing you should report. Um, anyway, if you can tell people about this podcast, then that is wunderbar. If you can review the show on podcast apps that you might use or any you might abuse or schmooze, then do that too. And thank you to whoever added a five-star to iTunes this week. It is much appreciated. And if you can afford to, please donate to the patreon.com forward slash parpol bro account or to Kofi ko Bro, which cause, uh, you can change the units on there now because I've allowed it so you can do that monthly like the Patreon and I thought I'd left the units as coffees because I really need those but I've changed it to stiff drinks to cope with all the politics and I'd forgotten that I'd done that that's how tired I am I'd forgotten I'd changed my coffee to spirits which does, I mean that does explain a lot if that's the case. Anyway, uh, two admin bits this week. One is that the kids' politics show that I do uh, with many-time podcast guest uh, Tatton Spiller from Simple Politics is touring again as of February with shows in... (laughs) Okay, get ready! Uh, The Place in Bedford on the 13th of February, G Live in Guildford on the 16th of February, Lighthouse Pool, 22nd of February, in Canterbury, 23rd of February, Waterman's Arts Centre in Brentford, 10th of March, Pound Arts Centre in Corsham on the 30th of March, i.e. Brexit Day, so that's going to be an interesting one. And the Drill Hall Lincoln on 27th of April. So, um, it's called How Does This Politics Thing Work Then? It's suitable for children age 6 plus and families. And Tatten does very clever explaining in a fun way. Well, I break it all up with stupid jokes about cats. Uh, you can grab tickets and exact times on the websites of all those venues uh, because, you know, that's how it works in this future that we're in. So, please do come along and bring your little people. Um, and then for grown-ups, I'm doing a work-in-progress show at the Leicester Comedy Festival on February the 10th at the Queen of Bradgate and tickets are only five pounds because um no, I'll be honest, calling it a work in progress is probably it's probably a little bit steep. It's really gonna be a sort of new some new words thrown together. There might be some gags in there, some odd thoughts, and some things that may end up being funny in a few years if I work on them and get to ever sleep again. Uh you can get tickets on the Leicester Comedy Festival website, so please I mean just turn up if if not many of you do we'll just go to the pub and I'll I'll talk to you about I don't know something that funny us are on the TV. We'll get through it. Um, And uh, one last thing is that uh, obviously Venezuela is back in the news with the challenge to uh, Maduro's presidency, which in some ways is a very good thing and because of who it is might be a bad thing. It's very nuanced and very complicated, but it seems everyone online now all knows everything about Venezuela, even though they didn't ten minutes ago. Um, But if you want to go back to episode 72, I interviewed Dr Lisa Blackmore, um, who was a, a... who is a lecturer in Latin America at the University of Essex and she explained it all very clearly and very thoroughly um, for idiots like me so if I can understand it um, and found it very helpful then so should you so do check that out episode 72 uh, and you can find that on the website partlypoliticalbroadcast.co.uk or on your iTunes or your pod apps or wherever you want to look for it so uh, yes this week no interview just stinky old me with my stupid voice but I am going to take a quick look at the tenants bill that was passed last week and the new educational recruitment strategy and of course is a teeny weeny little Bit of this because we just can't get away it's just always it's always there.
1: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door.
0: This is a bit pointless this week, much like, you know, every single week of our lives. Yes, that's where I am now mentally. Brexit has made me realise my political leanings are now somewhere along the lines of optimistic nihilist. But there are two Brexit sections, or Brexions, this week um, that I want to talk about. And the first is a little fun return to this jingle. Can you guess who this week is it that's leaving the UK because of Brexit? Because of Brexit? Everyone! It's pretty much everyone. Sony are moving their Europe headquarters to the Netherlands, and, you know, they know when things sound bad. P&O ferries are re-registering all ferries on the channel to be under the Cyprus flag. Yes, things are so concerning in the UK, they have more faith in a country that's actually divided by a military zone. Dyson is moving its HQ to Singapore, which, yes, is a move that's been planned for a while. And Brexit supporter and chief sucker James Dyson promises it's not to do with Brexit, but to make them future-proof. Sure, but if that's not a damning indictment that the UK insists on being stuck in the past, I don't know what is. It's also very convenient for Dyson that Singapore recently signed a trade deal with the EU, which we may not have. And Singapore is pretty chill about tax evasion, so no wonder he's gone there to clean up. And, of course, Airbus say they're going to go if it's going to be a no-deal. As Boris Johnson exclaimed last year, though, fuck business, uh, I guess, which is either his term for where he goes on weekends, or it means the Conservatives, supposedly the party of capital and corporations, are now putting a pipe dream of a glorious Brexit first. This explains why several big Conservative donors are staying away from the big black and white ball the party do to raise funds in February. They're so-called because the values expressed during the evening are from before colour TV was a thing. But groups like the Midlands Industrial Council are refusing to take part this year because they say there's no clarity on what's going to happen with Brexit. Last year, they donated £5 million, and they aren't the only ones not bothering anymore. So either the Conservatives have to work out how to make Brexit work for those that feed them, or Fuck Business may also be the name of their next Pretty Grim fundraiser. The other thing is that on Tuesday, which may or may not have happened by the time you hear this, because, hey, that's how time works, MPs will be voting for amendments on May's exactly the same as last time deal. So far, these amendments are, and I think it's only fair that I read them in the style of an old school Top of the Pops countdown. Twelve there's Jeremy Corbyn's amendment for a vote on the Labour Brexit, or if that's not possible, which it isn't, another old zone which could be a people's vote, even though they don't really want that. In at number 11, Stella Creasy's amendment for a citizens' assembly to decide on what happens. Because, hey, as if people haven't fucked it up enough already. Then, number 10, Hillary Benn's amendment for indicative votes to have votes on what votes MPs might vote on because, hey, who hasn't had enough votes already? Then, at 9, Rachel Reeves' amendment to extend Article 50. At 8, Yvette Cooper's amendment to extend Article 50 if a decision hasn't arrived by the end of February and for Parliament to take control, you know, of the vote that they promised they do in order to take control. Then, at seven, Dominic Greaves' amendment, also for indicative votes and for specific dates for them. But I'm not really sure how that's all that different to Hillary Benn's amendment, and I started reading about it, but I realised I really, really don't care anymore. In at six, it's Frank Field's amendment for indicative free votes, which I'm pretty sure is the same as the others, but Frank's a cheapskate and wants them for no money. Five, Caroline Spellman's amendment to reject the no-deal option, even though that can't be done. 4. The Brady Amendment for a time limit for the Northern Irish backstop. Even though if that goes through, the EU won't agree to the deal and they'll have to start all over again. The ERG or European Research Group or Everything Reasonable gets fucked, aren't backing this, which could mean that they're more willing to go with May's deal than a no deal situation, or just that they think it's to do with the Brady bunch and have got all confused because, again, they haven't actually researched anything. In at three, it's Vince Cable's amendment to rule out a no-deal which can't be done and prepare for a people's vote with Remain as an option. In at two, the Lib Dem's amendment to create a business of the House committee which sounds a lot like it's about poo, but it's not. It's about having a group of MPs who govern the parliamentary Brexit timetable. And then, at one, there's three stupid John Barron amendments on scrapping the backstop, a time limit for the backstop and a unilateral backstop exit mechanism, which I assume he's only put through so they can all fail so hard that the others look like they almost have some good ideas. Dears, 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 dears. So, as you can see, there's tons of agreement across the board, and I'm pretty sure they'll all come to one unified conclusion. Ha! Or more likely, start a massive bar brawl and hit each other with a golden scepter until only one remains. Or leaves, depending on who it is. Obvs. are several other interesting non Brexit bills going through Parliament at the moment. What? Something isn't Brexit? I know right what's going on. One of these is the debate on proxy voting for MPs who are on parental leave. It's happening on the night I'm recording this at 10pm, the perfect time for new parents. Although, let's be honest, uh, 3am would probably be better considering they'll definitely be up. The vote is for a trial year of proxy voting for those on parental leave, so I guess afterwards, if it's successful, maybe proxy voting will also be allowed for those who are ill or I don't know, like Sanji Javid was on Safari or like Corbin present but not involved or like Boris when it comes to Heathrow's third runway just mysteriously absent, which is the only time that that wasn't a good thing for him. If this was agreed, MPs who are away with babbies with pox, and haven't slept for days and keep doing weird things like putting a fork in the fridge and some mayonnaise in the sink, sorry, sorry, got personal, will be able to ask another MP to vote for them, and I think that's a great idea, though I do get the feeling that the Conservatives will try to push for it in future to apply to all people who can't be bothered to turn up, and regularly Amber Rudd will just have to fill in 317 votes by herself. There's also been a lot of discussion about the government's new education and recruitment strategy which largely seems to revolve around giving teachers wadges of cash to ensure they don't leave. The Department of Education is suggesting five grand for teachers in their third and fifth years in the classrooms on top of the 20 grand bursary they already receive. It's less an incentive and more a desperate plea. Look, more pay for teachers is definitely a good thing. It's an important job. And actually, on the surface of education secretary and man who's always just lost a bare-knuckle fight, Damien Hines, all his ideas are good in theory. More support in training for young teachers, a reduced timetable for new teachers, and a reduction in paperwork. You know, for the teachers, not the pupils. Obviously, that will be a bit counterproductive. Alright kids, put down your pens, save everyone time and resources, let's spend the next 30 minutes spitting at things. But teacher recruitment targets have been missed by the government for six years in a row. The number of secondary school pupils will have risen 15% by 2025, and schools are still so badly underfunded that teachers are having to ask parents to stump up for pencils. Plus, evidence shows that previously trainees have taken the tax-free lump sum bursaries of 20 to 26 grand and then quit teaching a year later, so this could just mean that these teachers quit after three years instead. I mean look, I'm sure the incentive for teaching originally was that it was a respected, decently paid job and you cared about the futures of children, but now with these government policies it seems to be turning it into a, well this is awful and the school's falling apart but if I can hack another six months of these shitty brats then I can go to Antigua. Hey everyone, do you remember your favourite teacher? Yeah, Mr Stevens, because he spent every lesson buying things on Amazon while well, we were pissed about. Legend. Still, it'll be nice to hear people say, Oh, teaching? Yeah, I did it for the money for the first time ever. And last week, the tenants' bill was passed, meaning it'll become law this summer. You know, just a few months after I have to move flat. Thanks, everyone. Could you work a bit fucking quicker next time? Anyway, after June the 1st, there will now be pretty strict limits on all those mad fees that estate agents charge when they go, you know, Hey, I photocopied one thing, so that's £400 per tenant, because what if I accidentally get radiation poisoning from the Xerox? Then there's a five-week limit to the amount of security deposit landlords can take, because how secure do they have to be, really? And Red Bosses will no longer be able to credit check potential tenants either, even though I do personally have great credit, and I'll be really sad that no one's going to look at it. I'm going to have to just start showing it to people on the bus, aren't I? Actually, that's not true. I have no idea how my credit rating is, and I once got told that by checking it, you can lower it, and I'm not sure if that's true, but I am too scared to try. The Tenants Bill is much needed, as unnecessary fees were costing a minimum of £272 per person, and that, plus ever-rising rent costs, were hitting the housing market, and in particular young people who can't afford to buy, because that whole area is even more stupider. Policies like this Tenants Bill haven't been able to pass previously, as one in five MPs is a landlord, including Theresa May. I mean, can you imagine that conversation as her ten- she storms in and shouts rent means rent before demanding that you stockpile deposits in case of a no deal, weird red lines drawn all over the walls that she won't move. But anyway, this bill passed through the Lords and the Commons and will now be law. So the question is, what will estate agents do now they can't make all that money off fees? Will they charge landlords more and then will landlords up their rent as a result? Or will estate agents find perhaps other more fun hobbies and start selling imaginative guides on how to park a mini badly and 400 different phrases you can use to say that a room's small without saying that it's actually small? And what will landlords require if they can't do credit checks to make sure their tenants can pay their rent on time? Are they going to have to start asking for DNA samples? Firstborns? Who knows? But hopefully this will see a new era of rights for those stuck in the rental market like me. And I consider myself to deserve it, I have to say, because I am a super tenant. And by that I mean I'm stronger than I appear, but overall, very, very bad for you. None of those things are true. So that's all for this week's Partly Political Broadcast podcast. Many humble, gracious thankings to you for adding this commotion to your weekly head jangles. And don't forget that if you do enjoy the show, don't be selfish. Share it with the people, not the sheeple. They're a bit woolly. I mean, the good people who like pod things. Tell them by giving the show a review on your favourite view-taking pod app or food takeaway site so people send me their orders and I get a man on a bike to deliver them various types of shouts at the television. Or you could just post about the show and share it on your social medias or anti-social medias if yours, like mine, are mostly full of angry people. Also, if you can, please do donate to the Kofi or Patreon. I really need those coffees, hard drinks this week, and I'm almost prepared just to mix the two and mainline it until next week's show is a murmuring, sloshy mess, albeit one that is the correct length for this show. Uh, cheers, big ears, to Acast for encompassing this show in its sound folds, to my brother, the last sceptic, for all his musical additions, and to Cat Day for her endless linear liner note-taking work. This will be back next week when something might have actually happened and then, as a result, the government will announce a three-week break for Parliament to recover from it. Bye! This week's show was brought to you by Saji Javid's Removals Co, Sajid Rico. Got a lot of stuff you need to remove? Just give Sajid Jav a call and his crew will turn up, charge your stuff to leave and then immediately replace it with other stuff from elsewhere instead. Want to get that piano from out your house? Javid and team will turn up, aggressively kick it out before even checking details and then fill the space with a bunch of recorders that they found in a skip. Sajid Rico, for when you want a pointless job, undone. <laughs>